Hey, Charles. Yeah? What you sipping? Take my dreams Put them down to track Two Track Audio with Nick and Charles I am, uh, uh, I, I'm sipping a glass of wine during this episode Oh, delightful, uh, uh uh, yeah. Red or white? Uh, it's a Pinot Noir. It's not very good. Um, Pinots are whites, right? No, no. no. Well, it's Pinot Dang. Grigio is white. Pinot Grigio sure. is white. This is Pinot Noir is... Um, uh, now, the name suggests that it should be black. It is not black. It is, in fact, a uh, deep red, nearly a purple, the color that wine often is. Are Pinot Noirs the ones that go with salmon? I think I think with fish you you do a white wine, right? And I think a Pinot Noir I w- I would serve with like a uh you know like a red meat like a duck a, a beef or a duck. Full-bodied white wines, as a general rule, go well with salmon, but also white Pinot Noir. So apparently, white Pinot Noir is a thing. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's like um, a white Pinot Noir. This should be called a P- Pinot Blanc. That's what that should be called. Is Blanc white? I think Blanc is white. Yes, um, yes, that's that's right. Because en espanol, uh, I think Blanco is white. Blanco. I don't know. Who cares? See. Si. Uh, um, um, oh, you so took, uh, college Spanish, right? Yeah, you yeah. C that. plus. <laughs> Uh, yes plus what? <laughs> uh, glad you asked, Charles. I am drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking buttered rum. Oh, however, interesting. However, when we made it, uh, when we made it, we decided we didn't like it. So mm. I strained as much of the butter back out as I could because it's a, it just the butter just floats to the top, which is kind of gross and weird. So so it is exactly what it sounds like. It is just yes. it is buttered so rum. So it's it's the recipe was was rum and I think you mixed some water in if I remember correctly and then butter and then like some festive seasoning I guess so like cinnamon sure. and, and nutmeg. Um, but we ended up uh, taking as much of the butter back out as we could and then mm. uh, mixing in cider. Uh, oh. And that that made it a lot better. So this is sure. Uh, it's it's still not amazing, but it's nice. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasant, warm winter. Right. Beverage. Yeah. Nice. I you know I made a little holiday beverage myself over uh, Christmas on, on Christmas Eve. I mulled some wine. Um, oh sure. So you sure. got like a red wine, a little bit of brandy, a little brown sugar, and then like some cinnamon and cloves and stuff. And and uh, absolutely. Um, uh, and a whole orange, kind of squeeze an orange into it. It's real good. Oh, that it sounds great. Out. Yeah, my brother you, has Nick, a. I kind of got wrecked on it. I, I'll be, I'll be real. It was very drinkable, and I forgot that there was brandy in it, and uh, I was very hungover on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, that to the that's world. too bad. That's too bad. It got a little out of control because I was like, yeah, "This is like a," uh, and it wasn't too. Bo- I mean, most of the, you know, it wasn't too boozy. Like a lot of the alcohol burned off or whatever, but like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got a little intense by mistake. I understand. But I understand. That happens. You know, it happens. Well, and you know what? I did not have a dissimilar experience last mm. week. 
that's such a terrible way of saying that. We're going to roll with it. Yeah. Um, two parts eggnog, one part amaretto, one part vodka. Ooh. Drizzle oh, caramel, sprinkle cinnamon, and nutmeg. Ooh, yeah, nice. It's great. It's it's really great. You could drink that all day. Um, and I yeah, I had a little bit too much of that, but it's it's good sure. stuff. It's so, hard with those those like festive drinks because they're so sweet and they're mm-hmm. so like like um. I feel like the warmth even is a little bit like tricky. Like it, it feels, you know what I mean? I think I got into like coffee drinking mode of being like, oh, oh, I, I think I know what you mean. This. I you think I mean? so. My, I was going to say a minute ago, my brother, I don't know the ingredients, but he has this, he has this winter drink he makes called glog. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it tastes, it tastes like a mulled wine. Um, cause I had a mulled wine last week and it reminded me mm-hmm. of that. So it's, it's okay. something like that, but it has, you know, bunches of different alcohols in it and whatever else. But the point is that you, you're meant to drink it hot and it's easy to drink a lot of it if you, if you yeah. like it, which a lot of people don't. And I think the heat is, is an important factor. Like you said. Sure. Sure. Not a lot of hot drinks in like regular rotation for me anyway. You know, that's not something that I gravitate mm-hmm. towards. I'll do a hot toddy from time to time. Um, that's not my preferred yeah, I don't... Uh, cocktail situation, I think. I haven't used the uh, like the, the best of ingredients in making hot toddies, but I haven't mm. especially enjoyed them when I've made them. Like, I haven't used, like, fresh lemons to make hot toddies. Maybe oh, I'd like sure. if I did that. I, I like it with, um, like, actually, instead of using just water, like, using, like, a black tea. That like an Earl Grey is real nice in that oh, kind of that, a context. That's a thoughtful you that, touch. You get that kind of like citrus flavor in there because there's like the uh-huh. orange and bergamot in the in the, the Earl Grey, and, and that's pretty good. I had a, someone made one for me once with like a um, like a lemon tea. Uh, okay, there, yeah, which is interesting. Anyway, absolutely. I don't know. Okay, um, so so today <laughs> we're discussing a prog band mm-hmm. and a modern band who, in my opinion, could could kind of best be described as a prog band certainly progressive sure uh, with the exception of the fact that like prog is is almost more of an era than a genre sure but uh but yeah so so we're discussing we're discussing a gentle giant track and a king gizzard and the lizard wizard track charles would you care to yes take it from here well, I want to say, so the General Giant song that we are covering is a song that Reddit user, I felt like getting high four years ago, said, um, I used to wake up to this song in high school. It's perfect because it doesn't start out super loud, but eventually gets loud enough to wake me up. Great album. End quote. So hey, nice. I think that from that description, anybody would be able to guess we were talking about the song Aspirations. by. Oh, without uh, a doubt. Uh, by Gen- by by Gentle Giant off the album The Power and the Glory, which is an album that you introduced me to, Nick. I think you you introduced me to Gentle Giant entirely. Um, uh, you, I did not, I did not, because I know that there oh. was a little bit of a we we were doing a little bit of a CD sharing thing in in college, and you had a mm-hmm. CD with a couple of Gentle Giant albums on it. Not this particular album. There it was a different. Let me see if I can remember which Gentle Giant. Album I don't because I don't think I'd ever The Power and the Glory. I definitely whole... exposed you to. I don't think I'd ever listened to a whole Gentle Giant album, unless I just happened to have it and hadn't listened to it. But I think not. it was. I think it was in a glass house. Oh, okay. I, I'm not aware of ever having listened to that album. So like, oh, okay. but, uh, 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 hey, right on. Hey, you're welcome. But and then so King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. 
are a band that I've never listened to, but that I've you know, heard you mention a number of times. How'd you get into them, Nick? Yeah, so actually, I have a I have a music friend from from back home in Wisconsin who uh, who I ought to get on the on the show one of these days, maybe to talk about. He really likes this band. He really likes. Um, uh, he also really likes this really interesting jazz band uh, called Here Come the Mummies, I think. But anyways, yeah. So he he told me to check out King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I did, and I and I liked it, which is which is something because you know a lot of times people make music recommendations and it's totally. It, it, it doesn't fit. And, you know, he's made some other sure. recommendations that weren't quite my scene. But this one absolutely is one of the best music recommendations that somebody's ever ever made to me. Because I, I really like their sound. I like... Uh, Very important I like, with a band I like, that you oh, like yeah. their sound. I like their sound. I like they what they stand for. I like, uh, I like the fact that they value having an expansive body of work. You know, that's, um, in fact, one of the entries, uh, I hate talking about Wikipedia. I feel like it cheapens our, our pod, but anyways, yeah. One of the, one of the like subheadings on King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards Wikipedia page is quote five albums in one year, which is something they did in 2017. They reduced, they released, I'm sorry. They released five studio albums, which is that's crazy. I mean, even even at like the height of when bands were were releasing multiple albums a year, five is five really is a heck of a lot of work. That's a lot of material. Yeah. I mean, I think the um, Beach Boys record is like four, counting a live album, and so mm-hmm. it's, it really is really is remarkable. No, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I guess like you know, I, I'm sure they're good, but like you could just put out. Like what constitutes an album? You know what I mean? Like I could put out four studio albums. This sure. Week if I wanted to, sure. you know, like it'd be really bad, but hey, well, didn't it. you, didn't you, uh, record and produce like a soundscape musical experimentation album I on did. cassette with your like cousins in middle school or something? Oh, that one. I've, I've produced a couple of, of yes. So, so we, we don't record that on cassette. We recorded my cousin, David and I did record a, uh, like a punk rock, uh, EP on, onto a cassette recorder. Uh, our soundscape album, which was, uh, I believe the title was 11 underscores. Like the underscore <laughs> on the keyboard eleven times. I think that's what it was. And then the tracks were were um, just he and I playing guitar and improvising, and and it was about forty five minutes of improvisation spread over three tracks, and um, they were all all the titles were different numbers of underscores. Uh, nice. I probably have it somewhere. Um, I'm I'm certain I have it somewhere. I saved in like Google Drive or something. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you could say I'm pretty prolific as far as that goes. Right. Um, I could have done that. We recorded that like in like uh, like two days, you know. Uh, and, <laughs> nice. and we you could definitely definitely do that again. But um, this okay. is a pretty interesting. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think you were about to say, but we're we're doing aspirations from the power and the glory by General mm-hmm. Giant, but also we haven't even mentioned the. Uh, King Gizzard s- song yet? It's Nuclear Fusion oh, yeah. from the first album they released in 2017, which it sounds like their best album from 2017, and probably because they spent 2016 making it, not two months. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, it's called uh, Nuclear Fusion off of their uh, album Flying Microtonal Banana. Yeah. So 
Nick, what I thought was really interesting, I read up a little bit on this song after listening to it this afternoon. Are, are you familiar with the concept of a microtone? Yes, how- you've told me a little bit about this. And, and actually, once I learned about microtones, the actual term microtone sounds a little like western centric to me but basically hey, i mean it's the idea good for that for you i was gonna bring that up exactly yeah, not to I be mean, condescending that was a little condescending what i just said but, <laughs> but um, that, great point yeah yeah it's just the idea that there are notes in between the notes that we use in in like classic western music right so real quick for the listener um between any note and the same note an octave higher so like duh duh right the same note but but an octave apart, they're in Western music. So any music that comes from Europe um, and is descended from that. So like all pop music, all jazz, most classical music, not all jazz. I'm sure some some jazz expands beyond that. But like most music that you hear typically is like a North American person or like a like a European person. Um, there's that that space between those two notes is divided at twelve steps. And there are twelve notes between any any two notes in an octave, and what, what King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard have done on this album is they divided that that space into twenty four segments separated mathematically. So there's double the notes, and there's pitches between the pitches that we typically hear in Western music, which, as Nick said, is very Western centric because most musics outside of Europe have, you know, fewer or more notes depending on on what's going on. So like, I think, um, I'm going to get this wrong in, in Indian classical music, certain kinds of Indian classical music, there's either 13 or 17 notes, you know? Um, and in this case, this album is made with a 24 note, uh, musical language. So, so for instance, in, in Indian, in an Indian centric sort of musical jargon, we, they might refer to Western music as macrotonal. No, right, exactly, exactly, because we have, like, fewer pitches, and, and it, it's it's an interesting thing. Now, I listened to a podcast a while ago with Paul Simon on it. It was on Meet the Composer, is the, the podcast, and Paul Simon sure. was on talking about microtones, because he did an album that incorporated a bunch of instruments that were invented by, I can't remember the guy's name, this, like, instrument inventor and music theorist who did all these, like, microtonal instruments, and he was talking about how, like, you can um, like listen to record. Like apparently, he like was like listening to recordings of like classical musicians and looking at where um, they were. You know, on, on instruments like specifically, it was it was Renee Fleming who's a singer and Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, but the voice and, and the cello are instruments where you can achieve microtones. You know, because uh, there's no frets on a, on a cello and. Um, the voice is just a whole spectrum of pitches anyway. And he was saying how, like, even though we don't technically play microtones very much, there are, like, there's a lot of, there are, like, microtonal moments in music. So, like, he was saying that, like, if you re- run Renee Fleming's voice through, like, a, like, pitch-by-pitch, pitch, like, tuning gauge of some kind, when she's, like, um, in moments of, like, intensity, she tends to go a little sharp, like, a little above the note. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. And so there's like moments where these, and it doesn't sound out of tune, but it's like these these mo- moments where. So anyway, I thought it was pretty interesting, but um, I, I, I digress. But uh, on this podcast, we should say uh, I don't digress when we talk about what we're actually talking about. If you ask me. <laughs> uh, um, so what did you think of uh, what did you think of of nuclear fusion? 
I thought it was cool. I'd like to listen to more of their stuff. It's a very like interesting. Um, it, it's interesting to hear, like, because like it's sort of a straight. In a lot of ways, it's like a straightforward kind of a song. Oh but yeah, the I inclusion think inclusion of the microtones like it's just like it's a little off, uh, you know, <laughs> and that, that's very interesting. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's how I, I that's how I feel about nuclear fusion specifically and flying microtonal banana. That's hard to say uh, about that album in general. Is that mm-hmm. it's with the exception of the inclusion of microtones, it seems like the tracks are kind of. I don't want to say by the numbers, but they're like they're like safe sounding songs as far as their progression. They just sound sort sure. of like a like your standard. Um, like your standard, yeah. It's like kind of like a garagey, like yeah. yeah, like kind of not really bluesy, but like you know, kind of rock music. Mm-hmm. It's very. I, I feel like it was kind of white stripesy that song in particular. Sure, sure, or um, or Black Keys at least. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's um, that's that's how it strikes me, with the exception. But like you said, be, I think because of those micro turn tones, there's there's an added flair in the track that like yes. You know, like a, a little your typical strange. rock song would yeah. have. Um, um, you know, Gentle Giant-wise, to kind of pivot over to them, um, that's a band that, uh, talk about being progressive, I think they're, if we, you know, we talk a lot about 70s progressive rock on, on this podcast, and it is an ALP podcast after all, obviously. Um, but, like, I feel like Gentle Giant, every time I, they're not a band that I listen to a, a ton but every time I dig into them, I'm like really amazed at what they were doing when they were doing it. And oh, like what sure. they sound like compared sure. to other like I, I think a lot of progressive rock bands. I mean, I feel like they're like it's not just like progressive for rock music. It's like different and interesting on like kind of coming from any perspective. Like they're definitely working in like the rock and roll sort of space. But the fact that they were able to be like they're really dancey. To me, like they're they have like a lot of like there's like a funkiness oh, to sure, them sure. and a soulfulness that you don't hear a lot in Prague, particularly English prog rock. And oh, I sure. think they were a soul band when they first started, like the the Shulman Brothers or whatever. Yeah, their first bands. Well, but in addition to their their proggy yeah. sounds, I mean they sound they sound like you said, like they have a soul element that most rock and roll bands, but also like a a classical element that that mm-hmm. some have. But but most don't, and so yeah. so the mixture of those things, in addition to their just uh, sheer creativity, really makes for for some unique music. And you know what? That's the thing is is uh, when you're trying to find new music that you like, is that it's easy to find music that sounds like nothing like what you've listened to before, mm-hmm. but that's hard to like. And it's easy to find yes. music identical to what you're already listening to but the issue is that that's boring and so the trick is you know to find something similar enough that it's familiar but different enough that it's intriguing and i i mean for for me at least um gentle giant fills that niche and so does so does king gizzard king gizzard without a without a doubt yeah no absolutely that that's a great way of, of of putting it they're definitely like they're on the edge of of kind of um a lot of things in a, in a way, but and it is very familiar, but it's also like, it's just a little different. One thing that, that I, I appreciated about, um, 
I, I listened to part of, of the album that Aspirations, Aspirations is on, The Power and the Glory. Um, one thing that that's that's I think is cool about them, and I'll just compare them to like other other prog bands, but like I think like the singing is very uh, different in a way. They're they're vocalizing. They they sound a little more timeless, I think, than a lot of prog bands. And I'm not really sure exactly sure. why, but I think part of it is that like Derek Shulman, who's like the lead singer for the most part, has like a very like 1980s kind of a voice. Like he kind of sounds like the guy from Men at Work, if you know that band. He oh, sounds yeah. like Colin yep. Hay. And like that's pretty interesting because it's a full decade before they kind of came on the scene or whatever. But his his voice is like is is kind of more like something that would happen, like vocal stylings that would happen a little later. Um, of course, Aspirations is sung by the band's keyboard player, Kerry Minear, whose voice was apparently so soft that he didn't sing lead live. Like, other band members would sing his parts when they played mm-hmm. live because his voice couldn't be picked up by, like, live microphones, <laughs> like, microphones in a live situation, which I, I, I oh, don't sure, know if I believe just, that. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> but, that, just to dive into that for a second, I suppose mm-hmm. live mics have to have, like, exceptionally low gain in order not to just have tremendous amounts of feedback and crowd noise and whatever right. else, right? I guess so. I mean, I you, I mean, hey, I, I don't know what low gain is. You know, you you would you clearly know more about that than I do. Because I would the, 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 the higher the gain, the more ambient noise a mic will pick up. Mm, I see. Um, and so, so like an iPhone microphone has a has a reasonably high gain to where if you record with that, mm. you'll hear other people in the room. You'll hear your dishwasher running. You know. Um, right. and, and gain, like a high gain isn't necessarily a bad thing, but depending on what you mm-hmm. want, it really, really can be. So obviously if you're, if you're performing live, you want a low gain because mm-hmm. you want it just to pick up you and you want to be close to the mic. That makes sense. Um, if you're recording like, I don't know, wilderness sounds, you probably want a high gain because you want all the, like you're, you're recording to right. get ambience to begin with, you know? Mm. Um, so it, it, it varies, but but yeah, so that's that's and if if you need a really really low gain and he has a really soft voice, then those two things just don't don't mix well. Don't don't work out. No, that makes sense. Um, and that's also a reason yeah. I think why my voice on the recordings of these podcasts sounds so much flatter than yours is because I'm mm-hmm. using a low gain mic, and so I don't have the highs and the lows like like I think you gotcha. do. I think you have a much crisper sound. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that uh, I just have uh, a go. mic that I bought in high school and that I'm still using today. Uh, but well, you um, sound great. You sound great, Charles. Thank you. Hey, we all sound great. You know what I mean? No, uh, no I don't know what you mean. But yeah, I, I, I like. I think I love how this song. This song kind of like the the melody is so sort of meandering like each phrase of the melody is like very long for a pop song you know like um and i, I think that this to me is sort of a good example of like a sort of subgenre of prog 70s prog song which is like this sort of like um shorter like quiet moment if you know what i mean cuz like mm-hmm. you know i'm thinking specifically of like Slipstream by Jethro. There's a bunch of Jethro Tull songs that kind of fall into that kind of kind right. of space, but like I, it's or like Pillow it's, of Winds or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, when you have these like kind of more epic length kind of songs, sometimes they'll just have a song that is basically a song, but is not like a attempted like a single or something. Sure. Um, 
uh, or like timetable by Genesis kind of comes to mind. Or uh, um, or parts of Heart of the Sunrise by Yes. Waiting. Sure. Yeah. Waiting. Or even like um, Long Distance Runaround, you know, it's just like a song, but mm-hmm. it's like still very proggy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like distilled into uh, the Book of Saturday by King Crimson is another one like a, that, that. That's a really good song. But but this is like a song that that of the songs of this album, like you could cover this as a solo musician pretty easily. And I don't think that's true of any other track on this album, you know, because everything else mm-hmm. is like crazy and has these like insane riffs and stuff that are very right. like, difficult to play. And like these like kind of counter melodies and like multiple vocal parts, like hocketing against each other and stuff. And it's, sure. it's pretty it's a little more intense. But this is like a nice like moment of like it's more like a song. You know, yeah. And than, you know what? I like think a, that's one of the things that makes now that you bring it up, that's one of the things that makes Gentle Giant, I think, special in a lot of ways is that if you look at just most pop artists and most pop songs generally, you're looking at songs that could be covered solo. Like you just grab your guitar, play the chords, and sing it, you know? Uh, because right. because the point of it is is the song and the chords with, with bass added in, percussion added in, keyboards added in, whatever, you know? You, you know. Um, and that... That isn't the case with Gentle Giant, which is fascinating. You know, like the point of the song isn't the lyrics. The point of the song isn't the, the chord progression. The point of the song is is much more like almost orchestral in, in nature where right. where it's all the different things that all the different uh, musicians are playing that really mm-hmm. uh, make this song what it is. Right. With right. the exception of, of like, aspirations, of course. Right. It's more of like a produced sort of uh, – I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, obviously. Oh, like no. It's, it's just like a, um, more of like a deliberate kind of like um, greater than the sum of its parts kind of a thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But uh, and the, but that's cool. And I think, I think that, you know, the other side of that is that, you know, in a weird way, Aspirations is sort of like maybe not as good as the rest of the album for that reason. <laughs> like it, it, looking at it from a an unfair kind of a sense where it's like, you know, when you have something that's like very deliberately planned out, um, that's like com- complex and and engaging, but that like takes a lot of like effort, like the rest of the album doesn't and general giants output in general is just really like, like you, that's, that's so hard. Like that's so much more work that they were doing than like you have to, to be in a rock and roll band, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. and you can kind of get away with like, um, like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, like playing on microtonal guitars. Like nobody, nobody had to do that, you know, sure. Nuclear fusion would still be like a, a, the, the sort of the same song if they played in a non-microtonal instrument, so it would just like lose that kind of like weird, interesting kind of an edge to it. But like, um, you don't mm-hmm. have to work that hard, uh, and there's something wrong with not working that hard. But like, when people sort of, uh, you know, make music that's so uh, um, complicated and involved, it's very interesting to me because I I wouldn't have the um, patience for that or the I wouldn't have, be able to hold my interest that much to kind of work all that stuff out, you know. Totally, yeah, and and you know what, it is it is fun when when artists like Gentle Giant or or King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard uh, do that because because it's hard to it's hard to do what they're doing for commercial purposes 
like it like he's like there's not a lot of mass appeal to it it's not like necessarily mm-hmm. the most lucrative way to go it may end up sure. being quite lucrative but like you definitely get the sense that like if they're doing this they're absolutely doing it because like that's what they're into you know what i mean right um which is fun um yeah no absolutely absolutely it's definitely like a lot of a lot of love and a, like no uh not a no cynical attempt at sort of being um popular for its own sake or whatever or sure doing something which that general giant outside of the band did, but whatever that's true that's true and <laughs> king Giz and lizard wizard probably will too you know that album, one album was like this weird microtunnel you know music the next album was probably like uh we're we're king gizzard and the lizard wizard when we're here to play our songs my name's Jeff. <laughs> my name's Stu. We are here to play for you. You know, like, Absolutely, which yeah. obviously that song would be like a massive hit if they did that. <laughs> if they did the song <laughs> that I just sang. Um, so, yeah, you know, I hope they're listening um, because you just, you yeah, just I just, wrote their... I just saved their, their butts. They're like, oh, what are we going to do? We have only have uh, three days to, to turn in our new single to the record company. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do? <laughs> Wait, fellas, listen to this podcast, and then and that, that's that that that's oh how yeah yeah so so uh, Stu McKenzie yeah so can you give me your best Stu McKenzie impression before we head out for the day? I put some extra frets on me guitars, you know. I'm Stu McKenzie, and I'm playing a microtonal guitar. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's. I don't know what he sounds like, but I'm sure that that's it. I I'm actually working on another impression. Um, uh, if you if you if you want to hear it, I'll let oh, you yeah. guess who it is. Hello there, I'm the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> My name is the Beatles, and I recorded Sergeant Pepper. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, the Be- it. it's the Beatles. Could you tell us the Beatles? That um, yeah, there's no question. Yeah, that's so obviously the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So so find our merch. There's a there's a link to the merchandise. Uh, in the description of the pod, head over there, buy a t-shirt, buy a sweatshirt, um, wear Charles likeness. Yeah. They do have my face on them. It'll be great. Uh, It looks, it looks good. (laughs) Yeah. He looks good. So, uh, any, any parting shots, Charles? Any parting shots? Let me tell you all the people who have crossed me. Um, (laughs) no, no, I, uh, uh, you know, Hey, uh, check me out on, on Instagram. If you've listened to this far, uh, at Charles Einer loot, Einer is spelled I N E R loot is L U T E. Um, and, uh, okay. Time out. I love that. There are so many words, like like, there are literally only like three loot players in the world, (sighs) but there are three different Mm -hmm. words to do. So you've got lutenist, Ludus and Luthier, right? Yes. Well, Luthier is a builder of stringed instruments oh, in general. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but but yes. So Lutenist is yeah is what people typically say. Ludist is also technically correct because um, that's used in some. But I, not very many people say. I think Ludist doesn't sound quite so uh, official. You know, I sure. sighed because I thought you were going to say, like, it's funny that your Instagram handle, which is supposed to be like a place where people can find you professionally, has two words that are like difficult, both difficult to hear and to spell uh, my last name and the word loot, which is like, uh, so it's not a very good handle. And hey, that'd be really funny. You'd be really funny if somebody accidentally looked up Charles Minor loot. Yes, M I N E R L O O T. Yeah, like uh, it's like a 
uh, a meme of I'm aware <laughs> of the effect I have on women, only he's like a pirate. He's got loot, you know, like a bank robber. You know, I'm I might aware of create the effect a... I have on loot. Uh, I think I'm going to make an Instagram uh, just to steal that handle and put that meme there. Please. To be yes. like the most like <laughs> meta buried inside joke. A weird. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. A parody account of my Instagram. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, listeners, if you want to steal that idea, uh, go for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and this is the Beatles signing okay. off. Uh, Farewell. Do anything- yeah. All right. No, I don't. I don't have anything to say. Okay. Ceasing recording in three, two, one.